Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast, a weekly listen-in to the Sunday morning service of Bridge Church in Dayton, Ohio. I love the fall. You know, the cooler temperatures, the leaves changing colors, and Thanksgiving. You know, it generally brings with it more kindness, more togetherness, and more thankfulness. Right? You know, social media is generally full this time of year with daily thankfulness challenges. And listen, don't get me wrong here. It's one of the most redeeming like parts of social media, especially in an election year, right? But recently I've been asking myself some questions and my personal answers have been disturbing to me. Questions like, why am I not more thankful the rest of the year? And what keeps me from being a year-long person of thankfulness? And and what I came to realize is that I have regular behaviors brought on by life but allowed to continue by me that drain me of what I've lovingly called my thanks tank, the well inside of me from where thankfulness springs up from. And these behaviors stem from things happening in life, things I read, places I let my heart go, times I let my mind wander, comparisons that trap me. And when left unchecked, they drain me and I become a spoiled child believing that I deserve more. Really fast, just to make sure that we're on the same page, let's talk about thankfulness. Now, according to Merriam-Webster, the first known use of thanks occurred before the 12th century, but it didn't exactly translate to gratitude back then. The word thank stems from the Latin word tong air. The root tong means think. So loosely translated, the expression might read, I will remember what you have done for me. Even though... The language of thank you dates back hundreds of years ago. The concept of gratitude has always been a piece of human interaction. You know, the fact that every language today embodies the idea of thankfulness, it's really incredible. But we all know that saying thank you and being thankful are two different things. You know, we probably all said thank you when we really didn't mean thank you or wrote a thank you card, especially when we were kids, when we weren't really thanks-filled people. So, in this season of pumpkin spice lattes, feasts, you know, enough for multiple people, family gatherings, and and online thankfulness challenges, we thought that it would be proper to stop and evaluate our thanks tanks so that we can all become more full of thanks. So, to get us started, I wanted to look at an excerpt from a letter that Paul wrote to a group of people who are being misled. Uh, Paul wrote to the people in Colossae because people were lying to them about who Jesus was. And and now when Paul wrote this letter, more than likely he'd never been to Colossae. One of the men who had come to follow in the way of Jesus from Paul had gone himself to Colossae and started gathering together with people. And it's believed that he wrote to Paul to ask him to encourage the people there because they held Paul in a high regard. So Paul writes to these people to tell them who Jesus really is and that he, Jesus, not only represents God, but he is God, and that this is what God is all about. And in Colossians 3, Paul really dives into this and says some things that are really interesting and poignant to our discussion today. He starts off the section of his letter like this, saying, Since we have this new and different life in Jesus that we're supposed to think about and see life differently, we're supposed to see the world around us differently, he goes on to tell them and us that old useless things in our life need to die. Things like impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, slander, lying, etc., etc. He goes on and on. And that ultimately we need to look past the differences that we'll still have, even as followers of Christ, to find what we have in common 
So Paul sets the stage for who he's talking about and what he's talking about. And talking to those who claim Christ as their leader and God as Heavenly Father, talking about how to live the ultimate full life. And up to this point, Paul has given us the get rid of list. Then Paul gives us a list of what we should add back in place, starting in verse 12. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, the ones who answered the never-ending call of love, and now because of that are seen as holy and dearly loved, uh, which is not the way that most Christians see themselves. We see God as holy. And don't get me wrong, we sometimes try to put on a holier-than-you face to some people. And many times, probably most times, definitely too many times, we don't see ourselves as dearly loved, but rather we see ourselves as heavily judged. But Paul says, not because of you, but because of Jesus, you are seen by your heavenly Father as holy, and he dearly loves you. And because of that, Paul says, this is what our lives should look like. Clothe yourselves, he says. And this word clothe means to drape over your life, to smother yourself in it, to wrap yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Things that we all would agree, even if we don't fully live it out ourselves in our lives, that it would bring out a more full life in our lives. But not only would it bring out more full life you know, out of us, it would make life more full for the people around us. None of us would look and say, the world would be a worse place if it had more compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience in it, <laughs> right? No, of course not. We cry out for it. No matter what side of the political aisle we fall on, no matter our religious or anti-religious affiliations, man, woman, black, white, brown, and Paul says, this is a basic tenet of following Christ's example of life. This is following Christ 101. And then he takes the idea further. Not only wrap yourselves in those things, but when it comes to a point of major disagreement with someone, Paul says we need to learn to bear with each other. Because we all require bearing with. Something I do annoys you. And just know that something you do, it annoys me. And, and bearing with you know, doesn't mean to put up with. You know, when we put up with people, we just tolerate their presence and can't wait for their presence to like go someplace else. Bearing with is giving or showing patience. It's giving allowances to each other in our faults. It points back to compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And not only bear with, he continues, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone because true forgiveness clears the charges. Genuine forgiveness levels the playing field. Real forgiveness reconciles the debt. Now, personally, I think this just makes a lot of sense. Uh, remove this from Christian scriptures and we'd probably just call this common sense. And if you're not a follower of Christ, not a Christian, you know, I think this is a way to enhance your everyday life. It's why we say that following Jesus will not only make your life better, but it'll make you better at life. And you're invited to play along here. But for those of us who claim to be Christians, Paul kicks it up a notch. He says, don't just do it because it sounds good. Don't just do it because I said so. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Oh yeah. And why did Jesus do that again? Paul starts to land the plane in these next two verses. He says, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That is why Jesus did what he did. 
motivated by love, pushing towards perfect binding unity, not uniformity. You know, think like I think, dress like I dress, do like I do. No, not that. You can have all those things different, but be driven by compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience that are motivated by love and finding unity. And when you do that, when I do that, there will be a peace that takes over our hearts that is leading somewhere. And he tells us where it's leading in verse 15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. And you know this is true. You've maybe never thought about it in this way. When you are the most peaceful, you are the most thankful. But let's face it, our lives are not peaceful. Our lives don't naturally gravitate towards compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Yeah, you know, we get a handle on it for a month because of a holiday and the urging of society that is dying for more compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And ultimately, you know, more thankfulness because of that. And Paul says this is where a real life with Jesus is ultimately going to take you because lacking compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, love, and peace will take away your thankfulness. It will drain our thanks tanks. So over the course of this month, I'm going to ask you to join me in evaluating your thanks tank. And we're going to look at things in life that steal compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, love, and peace, and drain us of the thankfulness that we should have, no matter our situation in life. To top it off, through this series, I'm going to give us some challenges. And again, if you're not a Christian, if you're just investigating, or maybe you're reinvestigating the faith of your youth, I'd love to invite you to participate here. I think it will make a difference in your life. And ultimately, I hope you'll see that this was Jesus' idea, not just a good idea, not just our church's idea. But if you are a Jesus follower, this is imperative. This is the building blocks of truly following Jesus, not just being a human who checks the Christianity box. And these challenges will give us action to put with our faith to make us more thankful to refill our thanks tank. And, and it's important when you hear the weekly challenges that you think about them the way that Paul wrapped up this section of his letter when he said in verse 17, whatever you do, however you go about these challenges and how they might challenge your life and how they might change your life, whether in word or deed, because sometimes it requires words, most of the time it requires action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, basically. Remember why you do it and who you do it for. Don't do it for me. Don't do it for Bridge Church. Do it for you and your relationship with Jesus. Because, Jesus said, you love me by the way that you love people. And when you do it, do it while giving thanks to God the Father through him. Because thanks isn't just words. But if we're not careful, we'll let other things drain our tanks and we'll become thankless instead of thankful. Imagine if we all did this. Imagine the impact it can make on our neighborhoods, our communities, our workplaces, in our grocery stores, in our politics, in our marriages, with our children, with our grandchildren, and in our schools. We would have a world more full of thanks if we would realize who we are and what we're meant for 
and patch the holes that drain our thanks tanks so that we can bring full thanks into the world around us. I hope you'll play along throughout this month, but more importantly, I hope you'll find yourself aware of how to live from a place of full thanks. Good life, good life, good life We got a good life 